0: I think I'm an advert for the film When Dinosaurs Stalk the Earth, but um, uh, we're starting off. Our uh, we're in the middle. Sorry, we're not starting off. Start in a proper way. We're we're in the middle of the series Old Fashioned Postures for a Brave New World. I think I'm a visual aid for the old fashioned postures, but uh, uh, we're going to pick that up because I think today is a day of reset. I believe what God wants us to do is to revisit the call that he's put upon us and to ask us how are we doing and the challenge of trust is if God has called us is he equipping us if God has called us is he enabling us and we'll look at that so uh, as has been said, I agree with the information that I am Steve Botham. Uh, I'm one of the founder members of Riverside. There aren't many of us left. All our teeth have fallen out and we're full of wrinkles. Um, but uh, I'm also a leadership and change consultant. And I work with an organization called the Gather movement, who look at unity uh, in cities across the country and indeed globally. And one of the things I've been doing these past few weeks is put a lot of time into some work for Gather, looking at where God is taking things for the church. I believe for the church as a whole in this nation, it's a time of significant reset. But I believe that's true for Riverside as well. And so opening our ears, opening our eyes to what God is saying is so important. So our theme today is Who Do You Trust?, And uh, you'll see from the translation I'm using, it it also uses the phrase, what what do we put our hope in? And we're going to look at 1 Timothy 6, again, uh, looking at some of the issues there, but we'll also look at Jesus' great wisdom on money, so appropriate for today, for this very day. And we'll look at the DNA of Riverside and what God has called us to do. So if we move on to have a look at 1 Timothy 6, which is a pastoral letter and... um, It's the words of a mentor to somebody that he's been in partnership with for a long time. They're words of love. They're words of encouragement. Uh, There's an interesting thing if you look at the scriptures. That six of the letters that Paul writes actually were not just written by Paul. They're written by Paul with Timothy. And here's this partnership working its way out. And Timothy's been sent to Ephesus. Again, another place that God loves despite all its challenges. And this is what... uh, Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope or trust in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope or trust in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And so there's a challenge for us at the beginning of this talk in terms of choice. Where do we put our trust? And if we put our trust in money, we obsess with money. We're looking at what money's doing. We're looking at the stock exchange. We're looking at all sorts of things that I don't understand. Uh, But we obsess with money. We're worried about our money. We're checking our money. And to a degree, I suppose, what the challenge is here from Paul is, if someone will invest so much time in money, what are we investing in our hope in Jesus? Do we we invest the same obsession? And I've been given another scripture to speak from, a really interesting scripture from the book of Revelation, Jesus' words to the church at Laodicea. And he says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich." with white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. I think this is one of the most, in a sense, scary verses in the whole of Scripture. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. Therefore, I will spit you out. And of course, we don't want to be in that situation where Jesus is saying, you're neither hot nor cold. Almost Jesus is saying, what is the point of you? And here, what it demonstrates with, with Jesus' words to Laodicea is how well Jesus understands them and understands their situation. And it's true for us as Riverside as well. Jesus understands us. He understands that Laodicea is the richest area in that whole region of Turkey, that modern Turkey that it's in. He understands it's got a medical school. He understands it's got a special ointment that's famous all over the world for eyes. He understands that it's famous for fine clothes. And he's picking all of this. He says, I understand you. But I also understand that you are neither hot nor cold. And it's a huge challenge to us, particularly at this time. So how do we make sure we're neither hot nor cold? Nick Cuthbert spoke a few weeks ago and said, we're a church in transition. It's like we're moving from one stage to another. And it's true, I think, in many ways for the whole church nationally. And so it becomes a particular challenge when you're in transition to say, are you hot or cold? But I believe, I was was watching something the other day, there's a lovely quote from an American preacher, and he said something like this, which he says, you know, it's like we're a car. And God can't move the car forward if we got the handbrake on. And it's like sometimes we may be in a situation where we're going, I've got the handbrake on, I'm waiting I am neither hot nor cold. I'm in the waiting position. We need to be moving forward. And this is a time for moving forward. Paul tells Timothy to remember the prophetic words spoken to him in the past. To remember the promises, the call that he's given us. And that's why it's so important for us as Riverside to remember what God has done to call us into place. We were called by an evangelist, Nick Cuthbert. We were called to be an evangelical mission church. What does mission church? Alan Hirsch writes this. Missional church is a common unity of God's people that defines itself and organizes itself around being an agent of God's mission to the world. This is the time when the world needs the kingdom of God to be moving amongst it. This is a time for us to rediscover our mission call. And what does being hot or cold mean? Well, Paul gives us some really good clues about what being hot means. And we, I've been part of a group that prays for the pre, pre-service prayer group. We've been praying week by week for quite a long time. And we've been praying into these verses in, in Ephesians. When Paul says, this is what I want from you. This is what I want to see. So this is what being hot means. And this is a prayer from Paul. That God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power to us who believe. This is Jesus' prayer, Paul's prayer to us as Riverside. That we may know his incomparably great, prayer, great power. He's put a hunger within us that we might know him more. Ephesians 3, Paul goes on to say another prayer. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. And Ephesians 4, Paul's continuing this theme of encouragement and hunger. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip the people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. That's where we're heading for, the fullness of God. And I want to pick up uh, just a bit more in terms of money, and it's what I would call Jesus' manifesto call. He lays out his manifesto in the Sermon on the Mount. And these words are so appropriate for today, for this very day. So let's pick up what Jesus says about money. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He goes on to say, you cannot serve both God and money. So again, it's the choice that we make. But he goes on to say this, and this speaks prophetically. These are words that speak prophetically to where we are as a nation and as a people. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So this is a challenge for these days. Not to worry because Jesus is with us. He loves us so much. He wants to give us a revelation of his power and his love. And he's saying our first job, our first task in challenging times is to seek his kingdom. Is to spend time in his presence is to be seeking what he's doing. Because his purpose for you is always good. And there will be times. There will be times for many of us in Riverside, many of our neighbors, many of the people we work with, who are going to go through traumatic times in the coming months. But our call as Riverside is to seek first the kingdom of God, not just for ourselves, but that so we will be a great blessing to those that are around us. And that call to be equipped in these times is so important. So we're taking his kingdom out. And uh, I've written a book. Hey! It's got pictures and everything. No, it hasn't got pictures in it. Um, and it's called His Kingdom My Business. And I believe that God is doing something new in the church. He's releasing those of us who've been in the workplace, who've been in our neighborhoods, who've been doing things that, in a sense, don't get noticed, to say, but I'm noticing them. I'm shining my spotlight on them. Because if you want to talk about where we meet broken and needy people, it's in the workplace. I always remember in the very early days of Riverside, we were recommended a book, I better not say who it was by or what it's called, on evangelism. And the book told us that we should meet with people on the, at the bus queue and in the cash, at the end of the cashier's desk. And, I, and we followed it. And then we had teaching, which says, invite your neighbors round for a meal, and, and we followed it. And to eventually, I realized that I didn't have the quality of relationship with people on the bus queue that I have in the workplace. In the workplace, one morning, I had somebody come up to me and said, Steve, Steve, I need to see you. I need to talk to you. And he pulled me into an office, and he was clearly distressed. He said, what do you do? What do you do when you go home and you find your wife in bed with your best friend? Or other times, when somebody came up to me and said, one of our team members, he said, David, I think David's going to commit suicide tonight. He's talking about it. You don't get those conversations in the bus queue. You don't get those conversations generally with your neighbors, but you do get the conversations with people that you spend time with. And Jesus is sending us out to broken people. And he's sending us out to take the kingdom. And I wanted to pick up uh, six things in terms of the kingdom of God, just very quickly. This isn't, uh, I'll go through them very quickly. But these are, these are kingdom features. I'd really love you to, to look at more in your study groups and go, what does your kingdom come mean? So you can see here we've got shalom, the deep peace, the phenomenal peace of God. How our world needs that, how we need that. Righteousness. Uh, Proverbs 11 verse 10 says, The city rejoices when the righteous are amongst them. Because righteousness is walking closely with God. It changes the culture of your workplace. It changes the culture of your school. It changes the culture of the the place where you live or, or you have your leisure compassion. Jesus had deep compassion. The translation for compassion is it was moving him, his innards, his bowels. Can we take that compassion to the places that we are, are called to? Can we take that out? Mercy. What a great, great gift mercy is. And mercy changes relationships. Forgiveness changes relationships. And then at that uh, last element there of justice. Justice is saying we're going to change the culture. We're going to change the culture in our community. We're We're called out to be people of justice. These are signs of the kingdom of heaven, and they're remarkable and special signs. And I want to turn to our DNA as Riverside. Nick closed his talk referring to revival. Riverside was born after years and years of the city of Birmingham leading the nation in praying for revival. And we very rarely talk about revival now. And I think we need to revisit it. Because revival is when the Spirit of God moves upon us in such a way that we are constantly hungry for God. We're constantly hungry for that revelation that comes from drawing close to Him. We're constantly thinking about what we can pray about. Revival is when God does something in you that then uh, impacts those around you. Our DNA is shaped by prophetic words, many of them. But the most important is the prophetic Bible passage from Ezekiel 47, that we are called to be a river that is flowing out of the presence of God, that is flowing from a place of holiness, that is flowing and powerful and is changing things all around us. It turns what was the Dead Sea into the Live Sea. This is what our call. We're called to be a transformational people. We're called to be a pioneering people. Other churches have their calls, but ours is distinct. It is a call to be a transformational pioneering mission church. And I believe God is stirring that call up afresh. We're a spearhead for revival. And the river is holy. And one of the things I think we need to make choices about is do we make compromises with holiness or do we desire to draw so close to God that we are so holy that God can use us? So there's this resetting, this trimming, This repositioning of our relationship as we go. We want to be a holy people. And as we were born, we saw the Holy Spirit move powerfully. Our numbers went up rapidly. We had prayer meetings where 180 people would turn up because they didn't want to miss what God was doing. We had evening meetings where people would turn up in large numbers because they wanted to see healings and they wanted to see prophecies and they wanted to see people come to Christ. This is our DNA. This is the way God has blessed us. This is what God has called us to be. And each of us individually have a call as well, and it's expressed in three key things. All of us are called to the Great Commission. I've worked with a number of churches where they'll go. It's so difficult. It's so difficult to grow because the church believes that the evangelism is just done by a small number of people. We are all called to be the Great Commission, and we're called to be the Great Commission because of the second great call, which is we are commanded to love our neighbors. We are the people that are sent out to love our neighbors in school, in the workplace, in our neighborhood, in our community. We are the people who are bringing love, and love transforms. And the final part of our call, and I want you to take this in, because this is your call. This is about God speaking to you. And Paul says this, back in Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I was praying this morning, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just come over me. And the Lord said, I have prepared for this time. God has prepared you for good works. God has called you to good works. God's purpose is to use every one of us. None of us are left out of this great plan. We're a mission church. We're a people on mission. Phileas Fogg in um, Round the World in 80 Days said, We're not on a jaunt, we're on a mission. So if we could remember that, that's really important We remember we're not on a jaunt. We are on a mission. And we need to refocus. We're a mission church. Jesus said he would build his ecclesia. I'm not going to go into that now, but there's something powerful to capture when we understand Jesus never said he would build church. He said he would build an ecclesia, which is a much more powerful word. And we need to discover what that means. And I want to say this about Riverside House, that I love Riverside House. I love all that's going on there. I love so much of what you're doing. But we do need to be careful that we are reinforcing the total call to mission of the church. And whilst it's great that we're praying a lot for things that are going on in Riverside House, we're celebrating what's going on in Riverside House, we've just got to be careful we don't fall into the trap of having a two-level church. So the same obsession for what's going on, the same obsession for prayer, needs to fill the whole church. And when we get to the building, it's really important we don't obsess around the building. I love the concept of a community building. I've been writing and studying stuff nationally for community centers. I think we'll achieve so much. But it's not our vision. Our vision is to be a sent-out mission church, and this will accelerate our capacity to do that. We just need to get it in the right perspective. Alice and I had the good fortune to be at the Commonwealth Games. We were there when Alicia McColgan ran her great race. And on that last lap, we stood up with thousands of people and we roared, and we roared, and we roared her on. And she said it carried her over into that gold medal winning position. I want us to be a church that is roaring on everybody who's retired to say, no, you haven't been forgotten in the kingdom plan. Your role in the kingdom plan is absolutely vital. Your experience, your knowledge, your wisdom is a God-given gift. We want you to use it. I want us to say to our young people, you are so important in what we're doing because we've got to reframe, we've got to reshape, we've got to adjust and you have got to be taking the baton forward. And we're going to roar you on in your race to draw closer to Christ. We want to say to those who are in the workplace, we don't undervalue what you do. In fact, we overvalue what you do. We want to roar you on in our small groups. We want to roar you on in our prayer lives. We want to roar you on that the kingdom of heaven will be seen in you. Those of you who are engaged in the community, doing fantastic things to support your neighbors, you're seeing things that are happening on on, on your doorstep, we want to roar you on as you do that. Those of you, you don't have a job title. You're not bothered about status. You're just you. You're just getting on with your life. And Jesus would say, I want to roar you on. I want to roar you on. Because now is the time for us to get our running shoes on. Now is the time for us to get ourselves geared up Because the world needs the church. Riverside. It's a time of reset. It's interesting that Tim is taking a lead, as he should be on this. He's spending time out resetting. But it's a time for reset for us all. The river is flowing. And God's call to you and to me is it's time to go deeper into the river. It's time to go deeper. Don't just walk on the river so that it's round your ankles. Don't just walk in the river so it's round by your knees. Walk in this river of God so that it's carrying you. So that you no longer have control because you're caught up in faith, in trust in what God can do in your life. God has not forgotten you. God has a purpose. And I believe As we approach autumn, as we approach the crisis that is happening to all the people around us and is happening to us as well, God's words to seek first his kingdom resonate strongly with us. God's promises that he has called us to be a missional church. He has promised us. He has called us to be distinctive. Riverside will do new, pioneering, different things. And whilst we look to the past for the call God has put upon our lives, we're looking to the future to reshape how we apply that. We're in a time of reset. And in a time of reset, we should expect more prophecy. Prophecy. In a time of reset, we should expect prayer meetings that are full of authority, that are really praying for the whole mission of the church. We should expect worship, which is taking us into the presence of God, because we want to stand in the presence of God. This is our moment. This is our time of challenge. This is our time when we are asked, do we trust God to move forward, to move deeper, To move into the fullness that he's called us to do.